Discipleship is more than getting to know what the teacher knows. It is becoming more like who the teacher is. The goal of a disciple is given by Jesus in Luke 6, 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street, and when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. Bill Hull describes a disciple as someone whose intention is to follow Jesus and to learn from him how to live his life as though Jesus were living it. We could say it like this, a disciple loves Jesus, learns from him, lives out what he learns, and leaves a legacy to others. Listen now to part one of a message called Discipleship Defined. So recently, Beth and I spent some time going through some boxes in our basement. Uh, Actually, Beth cleaned the whole basement during quarantine, (laughs) and she handed me one box to go through. She said, go through this and decide what you want to keep and what you want to throw out. Well, I came across a number of prayer journals in the box that she had handed me. And I enjoyed going through those, and I came across one uh, entry from 2004. Here's the cover of the journal. So on the back side, the front, open the front cover, this is what I wrote at the very top. It went like this, to Megan, Megan is our youngest daughter, we have four daughters, she's is our youngest. She was five years old at the time, and she had just become a Christ follower. And so I asked this question, how does it feel to be a new Christian? Megan hesitated, and she said this. She asked this question, what's a new Christian supposed to do, daddy? Well, seeing that question again, stirred up some thoughts I've had as a father and as a pastor over the years. What is a new Christian supposed to do? Are there some things you and I must do in order to grow? Well, that ties right into our second G, gathering, growing giving and going with the gospel all for the glory of God. Last weekend, we were in Philippians chapter 3, and we established this truth. If you want to grow, you're going to have to let some things go. Well, we're going to see today that as we grow, we'll go global with the gospel. Our purpose is to define discipleship. A disciple is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus, doesn't stop there, and intentionally helps others follow him. So the first step is for each of us to be lovingly following Jesus with our whole hearts and then to intentionally help others to do the same. When Jesus called some fishermen in Matthew 4.19, he also gave them their purpose. Follow me and I will what? I will make you fishers of men. 
follow me, spend time with me, but here's your purpose. You're going to be fishing for men. We're to grow and we're to take others along with us. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, and what you've heard from me, this is Paul writing to Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, comma, who will be able to teach others also. So here's what I wrote down. A devoted disciple disciples other disciples who in turn disciple more disciples. And so we're kicking off a brand new series. We're calling it Discipleship Matters. And we're going to wrestle with the discipleship demands of Jesus as found in the Gospels. In preparation for this series, I read each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I simply made a notation in the margin with the letter D every time Jesus calls people to follow him or every time that he gives some demands for following him. Well, here's an entry from, this is Matthew 4 and Matthew 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 times I saw a call for discipleship. So guess how many D's I wrote in the margin in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Anybody? How many do you think there are? Yeah, there's 104 uh, of those different Uh, claims as Jesus clarifies his call for disciples to follow him fully. And we're going to look at some of those these next seven weeks. Our text today is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. But before we get to that text, let's set the context. In Matthew chapter 28, that's the resurrection chapter In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and to the other Mary. Later, he showed up to Peter and then to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That evening, he appeared to most of the disciples and finally to Thomas. Shortly after this, we read these words. I draw your attention to verses 16 and 17. This is the immediate context. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. We learn three key truths from these verses. Number one, obedience is always the expectation. So even though the resurrection happened in Jerusalem, Jesus directed his disciples to meet him on a mountain in Galilee, so Jerusalem down here on the southern part, Galilee up north, that's a distance of 90 miles. So Jesus said, head to Galilee and I will meet you there. Matthew 26, 32, but after I'm raised up, I'll go before you into Galilee. That was a challenging and difficult trip, but the disciples didn't hesitate. So let's bring that to our world in a similar way. You and I must strive for obedience no matter how hard it is. And don't miss this. If the disciples wanted to see Jesus again, they had to go to Galilee. 
And because the disciples obeyed Jesus, they put themselves in position to hear him make a monumental statement. So listen, we will never know the person of Jesus and we won't know his plans for us if we're not obedient. Obedience is the key to fulfilling God's plan for our lives. Observation number two, the right response is always reverence. When the disciples see Jesus, they hit the dirt in worship. The idea behind this word for worship is that they prostrated themselves before him. So here's the picture. They drop to their knees. And they're on their way to hit, put their faces in the dirt. But before, on their way down, they're, they're throwing kisses to Jesus. That's what the word worship means. So they saw Jesus. They hit the ground in worship. Something similar happened, Matthew 14, After Jesus walks on the water, those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Number three, and I hope you'll find encouragement here, your doubts don't disqualify you. The word for doubt means to be divided in half. It means to be uncertain. It means to be wavering in hesitation. It was used of a person standing where two ways meet, and he or she doesn't know what direction to go. I find it fascinating that Jesus doesn't rebuke them for their doubts nor does he reject the worship of those who revered him. Some found great delight in him, others doubted him. Most of them are focused and faithful, but some were filled with fear. Aren't we a lot like that? There's times when we're like, I'm going to do this, God's calling me to do it, and we're moving forward, and then there's other times we're just filled with doubt. Before we unpack this passage, known as the Great Commission, I want to share some stunning results of a recent Barna study. I've shared these before, but it's worth us looking at it again. So this was the question asked of churchgoers. Have you heard of the Great Commission? When asked if churchgoers had heard of the Great Commission, 51% said they didn't even recognize the term. 25% said they'd heard of it, but they didn't know what it meant. So sadly, 76% of those who go to church have no clue what the Great Commission is all about. Embarrassingly, only 17% have heard of the Great Commission, and know what it means. So to be clear, the Great Commission is found in all four Gospels, but for our purposes, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. These words come as a direct command from Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able, and we invite you to stand as a way to show respect for God's word, reverence for his word. Let me remind you, these are words of Jesus, some of his final words to the 11 disciples. Uh, You listen, the words will be up on the screen, uh, or follow along in your copy of the scriptures as I read. 
And Jesus came. He came to the worshipers and the doubters. And he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You can have a seat. There are three main points here that I've been praying would propel us to participate fully in the mission that he has for us. Point number one, be convinced of the full authority of Jesus Christ. We see that, right? In verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You notice how it begins, and Jesus came and he said to them, I love that Jesus draws near to the disciples. He draws near to the doubters. Now, before giving them the assignment, Jesus made sure that they understood that he had authority to do so. The word all refers to totality. Authority speaks of power. We could say it like this. Jesus has the right and the might to do whatever he decides to do. In John 3.35, we see the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. So this is a good spot to pause and to answer a question. Uh, Here's the question. Have you given Jesus first place in your life? Last night, when I asked that question, the Holmquist family was sitting over there, and I have permission from Chastity to share this. So I said, does Jesus have first place in your life? Little Evie, who's four years old, goes, yes! (laughs) It was wonderful! It's good for us adults to hear that. So does Jesus have first place in your life? Would you say Jesus is prominent? He's important? would you say he's preeminent? He's number one. What he says goes in your life. Or do you refer to him as Lord and then live however you want to live? In his book called Multiply, Francis Chan writes this, imagine Jesus walking up to the first disciples and saying something like this, Hey, would you guys mind identifying yourselves with me in some way? Oh, oh, don't worry. I don't actually care if you do anything I do or if you change your lifestyle at all. I'm just looking for people who are willing to say they believe in me and call themselves Christians. (laughs) Chan adds these words. The call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is open to everyone, but we don't get to write our own job description. If 
Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's change that. Since Jesus Christ is Lord, then he sets the agenda. So get this, settle this truth. Jesus has all authority. He is in charge. He is in control. And the number one requirement in fulfilling the Great Commission is to make sure that you and I are fully following Jesus as devoted followers. Now, that's the first part of our definition. A disciple is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus. Now let's move to the second half and intentionally helps others follow him. Point number two, be committed to follow the assignment of Jesus. So once we've submitted to his authority, we line up under his right to rule and reign supreme all over the world, but in our lives as well, we're now ready to receive his assignment. Here it is, verses 19, the first part of 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, remember, he gives this commission to make disciples to doubters. (laughs) That's actually encouraging to me. Jesus is saying something like this, go and make disciples, and in your going, your doubts will disappear. So as Jesus hovers between heaven and earth, he has one final thing to say to his followers. This is not a suggestion. This is not optional. Though for many of us, perhaps it'd be more correct to call it the great omission. So here's our approach. We're going to unpack these verses phrase by phrase. First word is go. That literally means to transport oneself, to go from one place to another. can also be translated like this, in your going. In other words, we are to make disciples in the natural course of our lives. If you're a student, you do that on campus, in your job, at the workplace, in your neighborhood, starting in your own homes. To go is a given. As we go, this is what we should do. We're to move, not stand still. We're to be active, not inert. After all, the first two letters of gospel, G-O, are go. Because God is a going God, that means crossing boundaries. Uh, That could mean crossing the street uh, to talk to your neighbors. It could mean going out for a meal with an unbeliever. It could be going to the West End. It could be going beyond one's comfort zone and going cross-culturally to another country. Go, Jesus said, therefore. So he's linking back to his authority. Because of his authority, Jesus has the right to reign supreme and give commands to his charges. Everything he says and all that we've been given to do is based upon his universal and unquestioned lordship. Go, therefore, and make disciples. 
While I make it my practice to study the original Hebrew and Greek words when I'm preparing to preach, I seldom pronounce the words in the original language, and it's probably because I'm not good at pronunciation. But I think it's helpful here. Didaskalos means teacher. Methetes means pupil or disciple. It was impossible for a didaskalos to be a teacher unless he had methetes, disciples. It was equally impossible to be a disciple unless you had a teacher. It's the relationship between pupil and teacher that was the essence of discipleship. Discipleship is all about relationship. Now, the word disciple is literally a learner, one who's been mentored and being mentored by the master. It also denotes one who follows another's teaching. Thus, a disciple is a lifelong learner who lives out what he or she is learning from the teacher. Mark 3.14 says, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Be with so that he can send them out. Even today, men and women, teenagers, boys and girls are his method. We're called to be with Jesus and then to go with the gospel to those who need to hear it. Discipleship is more than just getting to know what the teacher knows. It's becoming more like who the teacher is. The goal of a disciple is given by Jesus, Luke 6.40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, listen to this, will be like his teacher. Bill Hall, who pastored at Homewood Evangelical Free Church here in the Quad Cities, describes a disciple as someone whose intention is to follow Jesus and learn from him how to live his life as though Jesus were living it. So here's what I wrote down. After reading several articles after going through some excellent training from Pastor Tim and Pastor Kyle on discipleship, after reading a couple books on discipleship, here's what I jotted down. A disciple loves Jesus, learns from Jesus, lives out what he learns, and leaves a legacy to others. So our commission is more than just evangelism. We must make disciples by evangelizing, by equipping, by edifying, and by enfolding new believers into reproducing churches. This is clearly evident, the model in the book of Acts, Acts 14.21, when they had preached the gospel to that city, listen, and had made many disciples they return. They preached. Why did they preach? To make many disciples. And then they returned. There's one main verb, one main command in this passage. Here it is. Make disciples. 
We're to go in order to make disciples. We're to baptize disciples. And we're to reach and teach disciples to obey. Are you growing in your discipleship? Or would you say you've stalled out? Ask God to show you your next step of obedience. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more sermons like this one or want to learn more about the ministry of Edgewood, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.